Well, thank you for letting me come and be with you today. By the way, this is not my first time. I have been here before, but it was not in this building. I was here when you all were over at JA, and uh, I had a wonderful time with you that day and enjoyed it so very, very much. And I am delighted to be back here today and to uh, have the opportunity to visit with you again. I am indebted to you uh, from the standpoint of Transformation Jackson. We appreciate and support, and especially do we thank you for letting John Hugh uh, serve on our board. And at this point, he is president of our board. And I am so indebted to him and so appreciative to him for all that he is doing. And I thank him for giving me the opportunity to come and to be with you guys again and to share in this worship time this morning. And what a wonderful time of worship it has been. And I thank you, Chris. Great job. You guys just do a terrific job. And I am so grateful for that. And uh, let me uh, also say to the men here this morning that are dads, happy Father's Day. Uh, I got notice early on this morning. I, got a, uh, I had a text at about 6.30. I had another text just a few minutes later, happy Father's Day. And so it's on my mind that uh, today is Father's Day, and I thank you for being here and sharing in this time together. And uh, as I looked at the calendar when John Hugh asked me to speak today and realized that it was Father's Day, I wanted to share something that would be in keeping with uh, this season. And uh, as I began to look and think about, pray about what God would have me to to share with you, I came up with the idea that uh, one of the best Father's Day gifts that my children could give me when they were little and even now is to do what I asked them to do. I mean, it's really not that difficult. I mean, the idea of obedience. Think about that. I mean, what would God, what does God prefer from all of us? Obedience. He is the Heavenly Father. And when you think about Jesus, what is the, what is one of the primary characteristics of Jesus? Obedience. Jesus was always obedient to his Father. And so as I got to thinking about Father's Day and thinking about our response to God and also in relationship with each other, it just seemed to me that that would be an appropriate topic for us to think about. And so I want to talk to you about it. It's not something that's real common. I heard about this little boy. He was on his tricycle and he was riding around the block. And so he rode around the block, and he was going around the block again. And this policeman happened to ride by and saw this little boy riding around the block. Well, he came back about 15 minutes later, and that little fellow was still riding his tricycle around the block. And so he kind of pulled over, rolled down the window, and said to him, Well, Sonny Boy, what you doing? And he said, I'm running away. (laughs) He said, You're running away? He said, Yeah, I'm running away. He said, well, why do you keep going all, all the time? You just keep going around this one block. And the little boy said, because my mama told me don't cross the street. <laughs> now, that's the kind of obedience we wish our children had, isn't it? I mean, listening to his mother, being obedient to his mother, but unfortunately, that's not the case with us always. And so this morning, I want us to look at a guy who you don't think very much about, nor do I, nor does anybody else, 
But the characteristic about this guy is obedience. And his story, and there's not a whole lot about him found in the Bible, but his story is found in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, and reading in, uh, in verse 20, actually it starts in verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now here's the key. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, and she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I think it's interesting that his name had been given by the Heavenly Father, but the text says that the earthly father named him Jesus as well. And so as we look at this man, what I discovered is that obedience is, is, is the watchword for his life. For example... If you look again in chapter 2 of Matthew, right after the wise men left, then here's what we read. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. The, this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. And so once again, he responded that night and, and, and was obedient to what God had told him. Now look again, chapter 2, and look down at verses 19 through 22. When Herod died, the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. When he learned that the new ruler was, Her was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid, then in another dream, he was warned to go to Galilee. And so what we find here is that he immediately left Egypt and carried Jesus and Mary back where he was told to go. And so as I look at this man's life, what I discover is, I mean, he's constantly doing exactly what God told him to do. And that reminds me of the definition of obedience that I learned when Life Action Revival Ministries came to our church in Brandon. We actually had them on two occasions, and they stayed for about three weeks uh, the first time, a little over three weeks first time, and a little over two the second time. And in that session, they taught us that obedience is doing exactly what I'm told to do when I am told to do it with the right heart attitude. And then they added to that that obedience brings blessing, disobedience brings conflict, and the closer you are to God, the faster or the quicker you obey. Now, I want you to think about what I just shared with you, because that is profound. 
I mean, the fact of the matter is obedience is doing exactly what I've been told to do when I'm told to do it with a right heart attitude and that obedience brings blessing. And the closer you are to God, the quicker you are, the, fa- the faster you are to obey. And so let's think about this. As we look at this man's life, what we discover here is that, that he was very obedient. I mean, he immediately, I love it in that last part, 222, uh, 221. He says, and immediately he left. I mean, a little bit earlier, it talked about the fact that he was told to, in the night. And it says that night. He didn't wait till the next morning. I mean, it could, he could have argued, well, you know, in the morning it'll be daylight and we can see where we're going. It'll be a whole lot easier. After all, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have headlights on the camels. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, he had all kinds of arguments why he, could, he didn't do that. It says that night, that very night, that very moment, he did what God had told him to do. We don't always do it that way, do we? We think we do. We just somehow another rationalize in our mind that we do. But the fact of the matter is, I think that today, more often than not, our culture is characterized by disobedience rather than by obedience. Now, we, we don't always, you know, there is direct disobedience. There is a sense in which we don't do, and we say we're not going to do it. We had a lesson in this. Dorothy and I were talking about this. My wife's name is Dorothy. And uh, we were talking about our second daughter, Paige. And uh, by being a bit, she's a strong will. I mean, when he's young, he just don't want to do what you tell him to do. You know what I'm talking about? And so there were these toys on the floor. And so Dorothy says to Paige, would you please pick up those toys? I didn't put them down there. That was her response. I didn't put them down there. Well, I know you didn't put them down there, but uh, would, you, would you pick them up? I didn't put them down there. Well... I understand you did not put them down there. Somebody else, put, but I need you to pick them up. Would you please pick those up? I didn't put them down there. And that went on. I mean, we're, we're talking about several exchanges until finally Dorothy took her little hand. I mean, she wasn't about, about four or five years old. Took her little hand, put that hand on that toy, squeezed those fingers around that toy, picked that toy up, put it in the toy box, went back and got the next one and did the same thing. Now, that's a strong-willed mama, too. But my whole point is, sometimes, you know, we rebel. We don't want to do. And so we, we want to go the opposite. You remember that story in the Old Testament of a guy named Jonah? God said, go to Nineveh. And it says that he went down to get a ship to Tarshish. That's exactly the opposite direction. I mean, he was going to run away from God. He wasn't going to do what God wanted him to do. And it really got him into some deep water. You know the story. Until finally he was willing to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And then he went and did it. And then got mad because God kept his word. But my whole point here is that sometimes we just, we, we just resist. And we don't want to do what God has called us to do. Sometimes children are belligerent and refuse to obey. Sometimes students react and they don't want to obey the instructions that they're given by their, their teacher. Sometimes employees take advantage and they deliberately do something that will upset, but rather than do what they've been told or asked to do, they want to do what they want instead. And that's a characteristic of us. And I'm just telling you, that's not the characteristic of this man. When he was asked or told to do something, he did it. And so obedience is a quality that we need to 
cultivate in our lives. Not only that, but sometimes we don't directly disobey. You know what we do? We call it delayed obedience. Y'all know anything about that? Delayed obedience. I mean, here, get the scenario. Dinner is ready. Mama says it's time to come to the table. But the guys are watching the ball game and the kids are on the video game. And so the call comes. Dinner is ready. The response over here is, okay, a minute later, I said dinner is ready. Okay, we're coming. Another two or three minutes. The dinner is going to get cold. Okay, but just let us get this last play in. We're going to do it. We intend to do it, but we want to do it on our time frame. Isn't that true? I mean, delayed obedience is not truly obedience because obedience is doing what I'm told to do when I am told to do it. And so sometimes we don't obey directly. Another form of disobedience is what I refer to as partial obedience. This is where you do part of what? But the definition that Life Action gave us was doing exactly what I'm told to do when I'm told to do it. And that exactly is important. Doing exactly what I'm told to do. Because, you see, we have a tendency to substitute. That is, we do what we think needs to be done rather than what we've been asked to do. Or we, 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 we don't do exactly what someone has told us, and we think that because we have done it partially, that that is adequate. My daddy used to call that halfway doing something. Halfway. But halfway obedience is not complete obedience. And there's an example of that in the Old Testament. You remember that God, through Samuel, told Saul, go and destroy the Amalekites. Now the Amalekites, when Israel was coming into the promised land, attacked them from the rear and killed some of them. They had a battle and God, at that point, because of what they did, determined they are going to be destroyed. There's going to come a time when I'm going to have you destroy these Amalekites. Well, the time came. And so Saul was told, go destroy the Amalekites completely. Nothing. I mean, all of it, total. Everything. Animals in the whole nine yards. So Saul went into battle. And he won the battle. He destroyed most of the Amalekites, but not all of them. He kept the king, Agag. He kept the best animals, And so when he met Samuel, Samuel says, why didn't you do what you were told to do? Oh, I did it. And about that time, you remember, the scripture says that a sheep bleated. And he said, what's that I hear in my ear? Oh, he says, by the way, I I kept the the king back to, 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 you know, bring him here to kill him. And the best animals I brought because they were on sacrifice to God. He didn't do what he was told to do. He kept the best for himself, and, 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 and then he blamed the people for it. But do you remember Samuel's response? Listen to this. I want you to hear what God says. Here's what the Lord says. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, 
and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God expects people to obey him and do exactly what he says, when he says do it, and to do it with the right heart attitude. Which brings me to the, another form of this disobedience thing. And that is, you know, sometimes people, are, they do what they're supposed to do, but they do it in a disgruntled manner. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen somebody do what they're supposed to do and they poke out the bottom lip? I mean, they, 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 they do it, but they make sure you know they don't like it. I, I reminded this old story about the little kid that was standing up in the car seat. His mama said, sit down. And uh, he just kept standing up there. She said, sit down now. I don't want you to get hurt. He kept standing up there. Finally, her patience wore out. She reached over She snatched that young one down on the seat and said, I told you to sit down. He sat there for a, minute, a few minutes, and then he said, I'm still standing up on the inside. <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is, sometimes we're that way, aren't we? That's disobedience. That's disobedience. And we need to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. We need to be obedient to our earthly parents. We need to be obedient to the other authorities in our life. Because that's what God has told us to do. And so there is this business of, of disobedience, not being obedient. But Joseph was obedient. He did it right when God told him to do it without question. And that leads me to another, why did he do that? Why do you think he did that? Well, I think a key is found here in verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, didn't want to put her away, didn't, didn't want to, wanted to put her away privately, didn't want to disgrace her, and so he wanted to put her away privately. Why? He was a righteous man. You know what that means? That means he was in touch with God. He, he was in a relationship with God where God could speak to him, and God did through these angels and these visions, but then also he hears from God, and he does what God says. And so my whole point of thinking here is that it is out of our relationship and the closeness with God that we obey. You remember that last part of the definition? The closer you are to God, the faster or the quicker you obey. And it's out of being in an intimate relationship with God that we hear and then that we also are empowered to respond and do what God wants us to do. And so we need that kind of a relationship. Notice, when Joseph was told what to do, he did not argue. He didn't ask that proverbial question, why? I mean... It wasn't his place to ask, I guess, but he, it didn't come to his mind to do what we do. I mean, we ask someone to do something or tell our kids to do something, the first question is, why? They, they feel like, now, let me see if I agree with you as to whether or not I'm going to do this. And, and I think sometimes in our relationships and employment, and other, we, we ask the same question. I'm not against discussion and debate even. I'm just telling you that sometimes we need to be compliant and obedient rather than 
being disobedient or have that attitude. Obedience is something that we need to do toward God, whether we understand it or not. You don't have to agree with God in order to obey Him. It is enough that God says to do something. We want to process it, but that's not the response. The response to God is faith, one, trusting Him, that He knows better than you and me, and number two, obedience. I love that song that we sing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Y'all remember that old hymn? Great hymn. It is trusting God. Then do what he says. I mean, great example of that in the scripture is in Acts. And uh, Philip had gone down to Samaria and God showed up. I mean, it's what we refer to as the Samaritan Pentecost. Do you remember? All these people are getting saved. I mean, it's a great revival time. In the middle of that revival, God says, uh, Philip, I want you to run down out here to the desert. Do what? Well, I've got an assignment out here, but Lord, the people are here. Well, I want you to go to the desert. And he did it. He went out there, and what does he see? He sees this guy coming from Ethiopia, and he tells him, go up and join yourself to the chariot. He goes up. And you remember, that's where he asked the question. I mean, who's this guy talking? He's reading Isaiah. He says, who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? And he began at that text and preached to that Ethiopian Jesus. And then the man said, here's some water. What keeps me from being baptized? He said, you can if you believe in Jesus. And he baptized him. Now, why did God, or maybe I should rephrase that, God took Philip from Samaria, where a lot of people were, out into the desert where one man was, and he had him to witness to that one man. That doesn't make logical sense, does it? You would think that God wants more people. But what we don't know is that Ethiopian was going back. He was a ruler. He was a leader. How many people in the continent of Africa came to Christ as a result of that man's testimony? We don't really know. All we do know is this, that Alexandria in Africa became one of the chief centers of the Christian faith once it began to evolve. God had a design. Philip didn't have to understand what God's purpose was. He was called to obey. And I'm sharing with you, there are times when God tells us to do something, and we need to do what he says, not argue with him about it, but rather to obey and to follow. And that's precisely what Joseph did. Joseph was obedient. And not only that, he was, this was not a one-time shot with him. You know, sometimes we do something and we obey and we feel good about it. At least I do, when I do something right and obey. But now, we're not called to do it one time. How many, every time we read Joseph, in the, every one of these accounts, he's doing what? He's obeying. He's doing what he's commanded. Every time. And so it is a consistent experience. And, and someone said one time, and I remember it, it stuck with me, that the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. The Christian life is a long obedience, a consistent obedience in the same direction, moving forward to what God has called us to do. Now, church on Sunday can't make up for six days of disobedience. 
One act of obedience doesn't compensate for all other acts of disobedience. Now, to be sure, all of us fail at some time. All of us fall. But the thing is, we get up and we get back on track and we begin to obey God and we seek the will of God and we walk with God. That's what he's calling us to do, to be obedient in that way. Now, what happens when you, when you live a life of obedience? Blessings. You remember that part of the definition? Blessings. Uh, obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings conflict. Blessing. As I looked at this story and thought about this, it occurred to me, there are some wonderful blessings that Joseph had because of his willingness to be obedient. You know, it's not recorded, not talked about, not, not in the same way as Mary. You know, Mary magnifies the Lord. You know the Magnificat after the, she's told she's going to have the baby and she talks about how the Lord has blessed her and, all, and how people are going to remember her. And uh, the Lord has blessed her humble estate and from now on all generations will call me blessed, she says. But Joseph doesn't have that. But can you imagine the blessing it must have been for him to know that God had selected him to be the earthly father, to be the provider and the protector for the divine son? I mean, Jesus grew up in his house. I mean, he provided for him. He taught him how to be a carpenter because he was a carpenter. He taught him the basics of the Jewish faith. It was a spiritual leader. The father was a spiritual leader in the home. It wasn't Mary who taught him about God. It was his daddy, Joseph, his earthly father. And so Joseph had the, the joy of, of giving him that basic training. And imagine his surprise when he found out how much more his son knew than what he had taught him when he was seeing him in the, in the temple when he was reasoning with the, the leaders there. But the heart of this guy, they're so proud of his son. And I know he had to be, just like I am. Now, people come up to me all the time and said, uh, aren't you Chip's dad? And I said, well, I am. I used to be Chip's, uh, Chip, uh, Chip used to be my son. But now I'm Chip's father. And, and you know what? I'm excited about I'm thrilled about that. I take pride in what God is doing in a good sense through him. And I think Joseph felt the same way about Jesus, that he was proud and, and blessed the Lord for what he had allowed him to experience. And so uh, that, that's part of the blessing. The other blessing is that he provided protection for himself and his family. The responsibility of a father is to protect his family. And so when Herod was enraged because the wise men didn't come back, Joseph obeyed the command of God, and he took them down into Egypt. And uh, as a result of that, he himself was protected, as well as Jesus. And, and so this, that's the kind of obedience that, that God gives. He promises us, if you would be obedient, I will bless you. I mean, it's in the Old Testament. You, are you familiar with uh, the Deuteronomy teaching? I mean, when Moses was getting ready to go, God was going to take him away. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 28. If you will fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. I mean, that's a promise. God says, if you will be obedient, I will bless you. Do you want the blessing of God in your life? 
You want the blessing of God on your family? You want the blessing of God on your church? You want the blessing of God on this nation? Then we've got to somehow get back to being obedient to what God has given us to do. And obeying Him brings the blessing. In that very same chapter, just a verse or two later, he goes on to say, but if you disobey, here are the curses that are going to come upon you. And I want to tell you, there are curses today on individuals, there are curses today upon families, and there is a curse today upon this nation because we are not seeking to be obedient to God. And we are reaping the consequences of our own action and mindset. And so what we need to do is we need to, we need to be obedient because it brings protection. It, 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 you never know what it wards off. I remember a story that I heard told by the author of Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby. Y'all know that book, Experiencing God? If you don't know it, you need to, you need, that, that is a phenomenal tool. But at any rate, Henry Blackaby said in his first church, the first funeral he ever did was for a little three-year-old girl. And he said that he was invited into the home as a pastor, and he went in, and he said that this little three-year-old was spoiled rotten. I mean, everything that she wanted, she got, she would be disobedient. She would be openly disobedient to her parents, and they would just laugh and, you know, talk about how cute she was and so forth like that. Didn't discipline her, didn't try to train her. And she was out in the yard, and she got outside the gate of, of, the, of the yard. And she was in the driveway, and she was going toward the street. And her mother and father said, don't go out there. Come back here. And she got close to the road. They're hollering at her to come back. Don't go to the road. There's a car coming down the way. And, and she looked back and, and laughed at him and then gleefully ran out between two cars. And the car coming down the street ran over and killed her instantly. Now, why? She had never learned to be obedient to her parents. And her parents did not exercise the parental responsibility to teach her obedience because they thought her disobedience was cute. Tragic story. But a, a very powerful lesson. See, when you obey, that brings blessings. And it, in a part of that blessing is the protection. And not only that. But Joseph, in his obedience, got the blessing of fulfilling God's purpose in his life. I mean, think about this. When he went to Egypt, and then when he came back from Egypt and went to Nazareth, both of those things are, prophet, are, are, are prophecies. Out of Egypt, I'll call my son. We read that one. The other one is he's going to be called a Nazarene because he's at Nazareth. Joseph, in his obedience, fulfilled the purpose of God and fulfilled Scripture. And you and I have a purpose. God has a purpose in our life. And it is when we do what he says that we fulfill that purpose and experience the fulfillment and joy of being a part of that. Now, suppose he had not obeyed. I don't know what would happen. God's sovereign, and he's going to work his will out one way or another. But Joseph wouldn't have had the joy of being a part of that purpose. What if you and I disobey? What if we don't do what God tells us to do? Well, God's going to accomplish His purpose. But you and I may not share the fulfillment of it, the joy of it, the way He wants. 
if we're not obedient. So the whole point here is let's be obedient. We're called to a life of obedience. Now, as I reflected on this, you know, fathers here today, I think here is a wonderful, wonderful example for all of us. I mean, this man models the kind of a father that you and I need to be in a relationship with God and obedient to that relationship and the spiritual leader to his own family, providing and protecting them through his own obedience. What a challenge to every dad here to commit themselves to be that kind of a father, to be obedient to the father, the heavenly father in that way, but everyone else as well. But then I think about the children. I started out telling you that I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give our fathers is obedience. Jesus was completely obedient to his heavenly father, but Jesus was also obedient to his earthly parents. You remember the temple experience. They, they found him, and it says that Jesus went back with them, and he was obedient to them. He was obedient to Joseph. He was obedient to Mary. He was obedient to his parents. And that's the reason Paul writes in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You need to be obedient to your parents. And we need to honor our father and mother regardless of how old they are. My whole point is there, there are lessons here. And then I think, that there are lessons to be learned here with reference to all of us without reference to our nation. We are to be obedient. Whether we agree with the higher authorities or not, when Paul writes in Romans 13.1, he says, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And so what I'm saying to you is that Disobedience today is anarchy. And there are a lot of folks today who disregard the law, who think they're above the law, outside the law. They don't have to obey the law. And we need to recognize our responsibility is to obey the law and to obey those in authority over us. There's lessons here. When we do this, our nation will be blessed. When we don't do this, we experience some of the confusion and the chaos that is so rampant across this land and around this world. God's calling us into a relationship with Him. And when we come into that right relationship with Him, it results in obedience to Him and a right and better relationship with those around us. And so today, I want to call you. Call you to a renewed commitment to Christ, to the Lord, if you, don't, if you know Him. If you don't know Him, let me just tell you, the, the greatest decision you'll ever make is to ask Jesus to be Lord in your life. I didn't do that until I was 20 years old. But when I did, he came into my life and he changed me. And he's still changing me. But one of the things he's given is a, in, to me is a hunger and desire to be obedient to him. And so this morning, if you don't know him, I invite you to ask him into your heart and let him be Lord in your life. If you do know him, let's, let's, let's commit to be obedient to him. Now, we're going to have a time of invitation. We're not going to have communion this morning, but we are going to have a time of commitment. And I want to invite you. I'm going to be down here. If you need someone to come pray with you or to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. Whatever's on your heart, you come share with me. You ain't got to come to me. You want to come here to the altar? You've got the, the kneeling benches here. Just come. It may be this morning that God's speaking to some of you, and you've been disobedient, and you need to ask God to forgive you.
You may have been disobedient to him. You may have been disobedient to people in your life. You need to get right. You need to ask God to forgive you, and you need to pledge yourself, commit yourself to doing the right thing. That may be a part of it. Whatever God's put in your heart, whatever calling he's given you, let him have his way right now. Let's stand together. I'm going to have a prayer. After I've had this prayer, then we're going to have the invitation time, and I pray that you will respond and let God have his way in your life. Gracious Lord, thank you for this time together, and I pray that even now in this time that we call an invitation, a response, Lord, to the word that we've heard, that you would help each one here to do what they need to do, to be obedient, to do exactly what you're telling them to do, when you're telling them to do it, with a right heart attitude, understanding that obedience brings blessing. And Lord, the closer we are to you, the quicker and easier it'll be for us to respond. May your will be done now. In this time, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.